glad to be able to attempt to speak the word of the Lord this morning. I'm excited about being here. I'm excited about what the Lord is doing. Uh, And I realized as I came this morning that I was coming to testify to the goodness of God. I was coming to speak about the anointing and the power and the presence and the joy of the Holy Spirit. I was coming to express to you guys and to all of you online that are listening, and I hope there's a lot of you online that are listening. We appreciate you guys online. Wish we could see you. We appreciate you. We want to encourage you to be a part of what's going on. We don't forget you. We think about you. God is moving. God is moving here at IFC. God is moving. This is going to be a year of breakthrough. This is going to be a year of seeing some of those things that we've only dreamed of seeing, some of those things that we wanted to see, some of those things that we're praying about. God is in control and God is moving. I was thinking as I was preparing this message how many times I've seen Pastor Nicky get up here and before he can say anything else, many times he says, God is a good God. God is a good God. And I'm here this morning to testify to that fact that God is good. God is always good. God is always ready. And I wanted to begin this morning, I'm calling this a bend in the road. A bend in the road. And I'll explain why I'm calling it that in a few minutes. Um, We all have difficulties. We all have problems at times. I don't want to be negative, but the truth is each and every one of us could tell stories about difficulties we have faced, about problems we've run into, some of them very significant. Um, You know, somebody told me it's it's a kind of morbid thought, but somebody told me that the last statistics showed that it's very seldom that we're going to get out of this life without dying. That's That's what statistics show. That may change, and as I read the Scripture, it does change. There's a favorite verse of Scripture of mine in, I believe it's 1 Thessalonians, I think it's the fourth chapter. I love the first few words of that verse of Scripture that says, <laughs> it says, the Lord himself. I like that. It's not going to be a fake. It's not going to be another. It's not going to be an imposter. It's not going to be an angel. It's not going to be someone taking his place. It's not going to be an apparition. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And I find it fascinating that the next few words say, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another. It takes us apart from the things of the world. 
It takes us apart from our checkbooks. It takes us apart from trying to do something on our own. It takes us apart from the mundane things around us and says, comfort one another with the fact that Jesus is coming again one of these days. We have to understand, and I'm going to put it in the vernacular, you have to understand, and this is going to sound strange to you, please bear with me, but that is stupid. You understand that? That's stupid. To the world, it's stupid to say that Jesus is coming again. This man that died 2,000 years ago, are you kidding me? This man is coming again. He's coming in power, and he's coming in great glory, and we're going to see him, and those who love him are going to rejoice, and they're going to worship, and they're going to lift up his name on high. You know, I was thinking as we were singing that song earlier, how many times I I do this, I imagine you do too, but I do this, comes time for prayer, somebody comes up for prayer, and I say, uh, uh, you want to tell me what's going on, and they tell me something, and I'm thinking, well, now how should I pray about this? Uh, Let me see, should this be a prayer of deliverance? Should this be a prayer of salvation? Should I approach it this way? Should I approach it that way? And I'm trying to figure it. And you know what we need to have at the forefront of our thinking is that we just need to speak the name of Jesus. We just need to speak the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's provision in the name of Jesus. There's all the care and concern that anybody's looking for in the name of Jesus. And as we use the phrase so many times, he's got this. God's got this. He's in control. He can do whatever he wants to, and he can fix things. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. I want to talk about, uh, as a little bit of a preparation to get into this, I want to talk about the availability of the things of God for just a minute the availability of the things of God that we need to be aware of, that we need to be concerned about. And uh, uh, if you guys will put up that first page, uh, I spelled out the word aware, A-W-A-R-E. I spread it out a little bit so it wouldn't look too crowded on the page. You see what's in front of you there. The A, I let stand for available. In other words, the things of God, God himself is available. Have you ever thought about that? Uh, I love to tell people, uh, listen to me now. Listen to me carefully, and I I want this to impact you. Whenever I pray, many years ago, I was laying in the bed. Kathy had had to get up because she was babysitting. A woman was bringing a little girl out to the road, and whenever she got to the road and opened the door, every morning that baby would start screaming and yelling and you could hear her from the road 
and it would wake up everybody in the house. We had two small children at the time. It would wake me up. It would wake the children up, get everything off to a strange start, if you know what I mean. The closer she gets to the house, the louder she gets, and the more the house shakes. Now, I'm just exaggerating a little bit, but it, it was loud. It was loud. And after this happened for some time, I don't know how long it was, several days, a couple of weeks, one morning it happened again. It happened every morning. One morning it happened again, and it woke me up, and I didn't get out of the bed. I was laying in the bed facing the wall, and I thought to myself, and I prayed, and I said something like this, Lord, this has gone on long enough. I said something similar to that. Lord, this has gone on long enough. I said, you know what's happening. Wakes up everybody, gets everything off to a bad start. There's something wrong going on in this child. We need help. Lord, I ask you to do something. And uh, within 30 minutes, this young woman had quit her job and come back to get her child. <laughs> within, within 30 minutes. And as I lay there in the bed, I was still in the bed. As I lay there in the bed thinking about that, this thought came to my mind that when I say, when I pray and I say, Heavenly Father, that God says, what is it, son? When I say, Heavenly Father, he says, what is it, son? I mean, I can't hardly get the words out of my mouth before he's saying, what is it, son? And what I wanted to tell you was that when I pray, God gives me all of his attention. Every bit of it. He focuses on me. He turns and focuses on me. And he says, what is it you want, Charles? What is it you want? And he just gives me. Have you ever been in a situation where you were talking to someone? I remember a pastor friend, uh, and, you know, I worked with him and so forth. And we would be talking. And sometimes when we were talking, I would notice his eyes would go blank. His eyes would just stare off in the distance and so on and so forth. And so one day, some months later, I heard we were talking in a small group of people, and he explained how he had learned whenever he was talking with someone, he had learned how to turn them out and think of anything he wanted to. And he could just go, and I realized that's what he was doing when, when he was supposed to be talking with me, just tuning me out. God never does that. Never. Did you know... <laughs> Did you know that when you pray, you won't ever get a busy signal? You won't ever get one of those stupid recordings that says they're not available at the present time, but if you leave your name and number, we'll be glad to get in touch with you as soon as we can. Or it says they're not available at this time. If you need prayers answered quickly, press 1. Otherwise, press two. You know, you'll never get anything like that. But to finish my thought, when I pray, he gives me all 100% of his attention. Amen, Greg. 100% of his attention. But let me tell you the other side of that. Whenever you pray, he does exactly the same thing. He gives you 100% of his attention. There's nothing like lacking in his attention. You won't get a blank stare, stare on his face because he wants to hear what you've got to say. Now, 
I know the math doesn't work out. I don't understand it, but I know the truth of it. God is able to give me 100% of his attention at the same time that he gives everybody else that's praying. The millions and millions that's praying gives them 100% of his attention too. And you can rest in that. And you can be encouraged in that. And that, that thought alone should cause us to go more to him in prayer. He wants to hear from us. He never says, oh God, not, not them again. Not that person again. He never says, my goodness, he's prayed and he's prayed and he's prayed. There's no point in even listening to him, you know. He doesn't do that. He wants to hear what you have to say and he wants to hear what I say. He is available. The A stands for available. Uh, let me read that verse of Scripture to you out of Ephesians. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. The endless treasures available to them in Christ. It's all available. It's all available through Christ Jesus. Boy, we are blessed. We're blessed. Now, you have to put up with a little something because uh, Ephesians, I believe it's 2 Peter 2 verse 9 says, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, but it says we're a peculiar people, you know. And if you wanted to mark through that in your Bible and put weird, I think that would be appropriate. We're, we're a weird group of people at times. And you have to think about it. Sometimes we say, sometimes we encourage one another and we try to do the right thing and we say, well, let's don't be too strange, you know, let's don't be too weird. But I'm telling you, if you live a Christian life, the world's going to see you as weird, the world's going to see you as strange. There's no getting around that. You don't have to worry about accidentally blurting out something in tongues. It doesn't matter. It's okay. You're going to be weird one way or the other. If you live for Jesus, if you live for Jesus, you're going to be strange. Uh, the W stands for willing. This is in us being aware. The W stands for willing. God is always willing. God is always there. He's always winning, willing. How great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. I like that. Blessing them before the watching world. And then uh, notice this verse of Scripture I added in there. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. Often it is not his willingness in question but our willingness, which is what that verse says. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. The next A stands for able. God is able. Now, here is something that has meant a lot to me ever since I saw this. It's talking about Abraham. It says, Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Now, notice that it doesn't, didn't say that an Abraham was just full of faith with regard to this situation. It doesn't say that Abraham believed that it was going to come to pass. It doesn't make that point. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but it doesn't make that point. It says that he believed that what God had promised that he had the necessary ability to bring it to pass. 
Now, when I saw that, it helped me tremendously. And I said, praise God, hallelujah, I can do that. I can believe God is able to work in any and all of my situations. And let me tell you, I hate to admit it, but over my lifetime, I've had a lot of situations. I've had a lot of situations. And I'm concerned that the older I get, it just adds on situations, you know? (laughs) But I believe that God is able. I know that God is able, and I don't have any trouble believing that. So that puts us right in line with, guess who? The father of our faith, who is Abraham. That puts us right in line with that guy, the father of our faith, because he believed God was able to perform what he promised, and we can believe God will perform what he's promised. And then if we can have that next slide, uh, the word reliable is the word for R. The Bible says in Psalms, the ordinances of the Lord are reliable. Now, the ordinances of the Lord is referring to his rules and regulations and uh, sometimes relatively small things. These are the, this is the way things ought to be done. And these are reliable. Um, Lord, your testimonies are completely reliable. This is also in the Psalms. Your testimonies are completely reliable. The things that the Lord says, the things that the Lord speaks into, the things that the Lord does, these things are reliable. We can count on it. The Lord is reliable. The Lord is reliable. You know, I think about this a lot. I go over it and over it. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. That, that makes him quite reliable, quite reliable. Now, we, in our lifetime, at least most of us, I stand convicted of this, have been wishy-washy. Many times we've been wishy-washy. There's no wishy-washiness with the Lord Jesus. No wishy-washiness with God. The Bible says Jesus Christ the same yesterday and day and forever. God speaks in the Scripture and says, I am the Lord, and I assure you, I ain't changing. Or something like that. I am the Lord. I don't change. And the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as the eternal spirit, which guess what? That means he don't change either. So we've got the Holy Spirit that doesn't change. We've got God the Father that doesn't change. And we've got Jesus Christ, his son, that doesn't change. But the Bible says, Charles, you need to be changed. You need to be changed from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory, and you could probably keep on many, many glories, how many things that need to transpire in my life, maybe not in yours, but in my life. But God is reliable. We don't have to worry about that with God. God's got it under control. He's reliable. Now, just think about it. And we talked to someone just recently. Uh, we, We met a young man and started talking to him about the Lord, and you should have heard what he had to say. You should have heard it. Uh, This guy was so full of himself, he was explaining to us why we were wrong and why we didn't know what we were talking about, basically. But the Lord is reliable. And the E stands for enough. And I want you to listen to this. I'm going to read it to you. I know you can read it. Maybe you already have, but I'm going to read it to you again. And I want you to bask in this. You know what basking is. Can you? Are you good baskers? Any of you good baskers? You ever... You ever basked in the sun out on the beach somewhere? You ever bask in a good hot bathtub? 
Uh, <laughs> my wife's raising her hands over here. Uh, we need to be good baskers. And I want you to bask in this, and I want you to listen to this. You might want to close your eyes and listen to it. That helps you to bask. I mean, you know, sometimes you're out on the beach. You, you close your eyes and rest. Sometimes go to sleep because you're basking. All right. Get ready to bask. Here we go now. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness as you are enriched in every way for all generosity which produces thanksgiving to God through us. Did you bask? Did you bask in that now? I mean, that's, that's a wonderful provision in the Scripture. God is enough. God is enough. We need to get that way down in our spirits. God is enough. I don't have to worry about this. I, I would wake up in the night. There was a period of time in my life. For a long time, I slept in the room with my grandma and granddaddy. We had three huge double beds in this room and a huge pot-bellied wood-burning stove and a cedar chest. There was not hardly room to walk in this room. It was just full of beds primarily. And even though there was three, grandma slept in one, granddaddy slept in the other. And most of the time I'd either sleep with grandma or I'd sleep with granddaddy. And I remember sleeping with grandma. It would be in the summer. We didn't have air conditioning. The, winds would, the windows would be open to let some air in. It would still be so hot. I would be scared to death. And you say, what scared you? It didn't, it didn't take anything. I was just scared. I just lay there scared. I'd pull the covers up over my ears. They had to go over my ears. Pull it up over the ears and sweat like a dog. Just hot as I could be, but I wouldn't dare pull those covers down. It had something to do with the fear that I experienced as a child. And I would look over at the window and the curtains would be blowing and the moon would be shining in and I'd see my grandma's contour laying there in the bed beside me and she looked awfully lot like something I didn't want in the bed beside me, you know. And, and I would shiver and shake. And I remember one night in particular, I woke up grandma, grandma, grandma. And she didn't wake up. She was sleeping well. I said, grandma, grandma. And finally she said, what is it, Charles? I said, grandma, I'm scared. I, said, I just wanted somebody to help me. I needed help. Grandma, I'm scared. She said, what are you scared of? And I said, I don't know, Grandma. I'm just scared. And Grandma told me something that has stuck with me all of these years, even to this day. She said, when you worry, you do not trust. And when you trust, you do not worry. And how many times it's been brought back to me over the years that I can pick or choose. I can choose to worry. I can choose to trust, but I can't do both of them at the same time. I can do one, I can do the other, but I can't do both of them at the same time. So let's get a little bit, uh, I've obviously got a lot more than we're going to get into, and that's okay, but I want to tell you about a bend in the road. You remember the story of David, you remember how Saul chased David, I 
think I saw at least four different times where Saul threw his spear at David. You know, David, I suppose David had visions. He had been anointed king, and I was thinking this morning he might have had visions of beautiful girls and fast chariots. You know what I'm talking about? And I could imagine David thinking about, what do, what do they call it? Tricking, tricking it out his chariot? What do they call it? You know what I'm talking about? I can imagine him thinking, man, I'll have all the money, everything I need, and I can fix this chariot just the way I want to. The girls are going to like it and this kind of thing. But it wasn't working out that way. It wasn't working out that way at all. Uh, Saul, I think I counted four times where Saul threw a spear at him. And twice it mentions the spear being thrown at the wall that he was trying to stick up David to the wall. He was trying to plunge him through to the wall. Fortunately for David, he missed. In the process, after a period of time, David said, enough of this. Uh, this is not the way I thought it was going to work out, but i got to provide for myself. i got to take care of myself. And he seemed to defect. He still had a plan. He still had a heart for God. And he said, here's what I'm going to do. And he appeared to defect from Israel, where he knew he was supposed to be king. And he went over to the Philistines. And he talked to them, and he let them know he was leaving those other guys, and he wants to come over here. Maybe I can help you out. Make a long story short, he started making raids for the Philistines, he made it appear. But instead, he was going attacking Philistine strongholds and wiping them out. And the Bible says he would wipe out every one of them so there wasn't anybody left to go back and tell them otherwise. And then he would come back and he would tell them where he had been raiding and he had this victory and so on and so forth. And the Philistine king in particular that he was dealing with at the time just praised him. Man, this guy's good. This guy's faithful. He's powerful. I've heard about him uh, even down through the years. And he, he's a great warrior and he's doing right by me. And so he gave him a city. He gave him a city called Ziklag. If you read on the screen... Uh, the word ziklag means winding, bending, a measure of oppression, enveloped in grief. You see the negative connotations that come from this word ziklag, which is where this city was. And I related in a lot of ways to Nikki's previous messages about detours. This is what I was reminded of when I was listening to Nikki speak. David was coming to a bend in the road. You uh, you can't see around the bend oftentimes, especially here in the south. In Texas, it seems like it's much easier to see around the bend. It's so flat and so few trees in the parts I've been in. But a bend in the road is a place that may make it difficult for you to see. And this is what David was presented with. And you know the story. Uh, David had two wives. He, one was named Abigail. The other one was named Ahinoam, I believe is the way it's pronounced in the Hebrew. Ahinoam. And Abigail means joy, or it's rooted in a word that means joy. And Ahinoam is rooted in a word that means grace. So here he was in the city of Ziklag. He was coming to his bend in the road. He was coming to his detour, and something terrible happens. He leaves, leaves to go on another one of his clandestine raids, and he comes back from the raids, and the city is on fire. 
the city has just is smoking from the tragedy that has occurred there. All the wives are gone. All the boys are gone. All the girls are gone. All the cattle is gone. The sheep and the goats are gone. Uh, the, uh, another group has come in, set the place on fire, and stolen all of this. And you can imagine how difficult that was. A bend in the road, a detour, something terrible has happened. What are we going to do when we face those detours? What are we going to do when we face those bends in the road? Well, one of the things we're going to do, maybe just like David did, it said him and his men cried. These big men, these muscle-bound men, these warriors, these sword-toting fighters cried, bawled their eyes out. The Bible says, till they could cry no more. They cried as hard as it was possible for them to cry. They was terribly disturbed. And I, can you imagine that at this point, it seems to David, sure enough, as if he's lost his joy and as if he's lost his favor with God. He's lost his two wives, one rooted in joy, one rooted in grace or favor. And he's lost his joy, and it seems that he's lost his favor with God. And what are you going to do? We've, we've been in faces, places like that. You know, it's wonderful when you can go through a period of time and you can look around. And Kathy and I do this and say, what about that? I mean, we get, we get I guess, silly sometimes. We go to get a parking place, and it's the first one up close to the door, and we say, it's the favor of God. You ever do that? It's the favor of God. Or a little extra money comes we weren't expecting. It's the favor of God. You know, I think we should do that. But here, all of a sudden, and maybe you have come to places like we are, it seems like it's hard to see something to say, that's the favor of God. We're in a dry space. and Things are not going like we'd like for it to go. And so that's where David was. The men lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Um, and then in verse uh, 6 in that passage, if you want to look at it, I think that's uh, uh, 1 Samuel 30, if you want to look at it. By the way, it's, a, it's an interesting read if you start in 1 Samuel, the first chapter, and read right on up through and around chapter 30. It's a very interesting read. Um, then David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. That's what the scripture says. And the word greatly is interested because the word greatly can be translated vehemently, can be translated wholly or utterly. David was so distressed, he couldn't be distressed anymore. It was as bad as it gets. He was utterly distressed. He was vehemently distressed. He was wholly distressed. And I don't know what transpired in his thinking at this point. I don't know how long it took. It seems like it only took a moment. The next thing you read is that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now that's where you and I want to go. That's where you and I want to go. We want to be able to encourage ourselves in the Lord, our, our God, regardless of what the situation is. If it's a, a husband-wife relationship, if it's a problem with children, if it's a problem with finances, 
if the report from the doctor has been very bad, we want to be able to encourage ourselves in the Lord our God. You know, because the Lord himself one day shall descend from heaven with a shout, like we've talked about earlier. We need to encourage one another in those things. God's got everything under control. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And I think we can put up that next slide. When we get to Psalm 107, and when I read Psalm 107, and I encourage you, if you haven't read it recently, I encourage you to look over it again. When I read Psalm 107, I see the cry of the Holy Spirit through Psalm 107. I hear the Holy Spirit crying out, uh, you know, like, like someone who had a need. I don't believe the Lord has any needs like we think of needs. But it's like someone has a need, someone who has a longing, someone has a desire. Maybe like someone who has lost their love. Maybe someone, uh, two people have been together and all of a sudden one leaves or goes their way or goes off in the service or something like that. And the other person cries out for them. I see the Holy Spirit crying in Psalm 107 in this way. And the Holy Spirit is crying out, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. At least five times in Psalm 107, there's some, might be a slight variation of that, but five times it says, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Uh, and it's also interesting to me that the way this is expressed or the way that we are encouraged to express that, uh, the vehicle of this expression is what I've put on this slide, is testimony. One of the things that we, one of the ways we express this is testimony. We tell other people in other situations we're in, we let them know how good God has been. Just like when Pastor Nicky gets up here so many times and says, we serve a good God. Uh, we need to express that to those around us. We need to express it certainly to our family, certainly to our children. Uh, you know, the, my relationship with Kathy is a whole lot different than it was when we started out. I can remember when Kathy was lying in the bed in pain because something was going on physically that she needed deliverance from. And I remember being in the next room. I was a Christian. I'd been Christian for years at that time. I remember being in the other room wanting to go pray for my wife, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't make myself go in there and say, now I could pray for her. I could stay there at the couch and pray for her, but I couldn't go in there and say, honey, I want to pray for you. Let me pray for you. We didn't do that at that time. It took a while for us to get to know one another, for us to get the related like we should be. And today it's a different thing. It's quite different, praise the Lord. But the vehicle of that expression is testimony. And the first thing in Psalm 107 that is mentioned along that line is let the redeemed the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord. Now, if God says let the redeemed of the Lord say so, 
doesn't that suggest that there is an inadequacy in the people of God saying so? Doesn't, doesn't that seem to imply that? There would be no reason to say it if it was there in, in volume. But for some reason we have a tendency not to say what we need to say. We have a tendency not to be who we need to do, be and not to express the things of the Lord like we should. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And then in verse 22 it says, let them declare his works with rejoicing. Let them declare his works with rejoicing. Testimony. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. There's a lot of things said in the scripture about what we say with our mouths and having to do with how we should praise and lift up the name of Jesus in the things we say and in the things we do. Uh, In Psalm 107, there are four groups of people that I want to mention to you. And different translations express this different ways, but all of them have these four areas and have these four groups of people. And the first one I want to mention to you, the first group of people, and let me see if I can tell you where, in verse 4, my translation that I'm looking at just calls them they. Some of the translation says some. Uh, It's expressed in different ways. But you'll see clearly in your translation that these four groups of people are marked off. And the first one says that they wondered. So I'm saying that this first group of people, and I want us to relate to it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, the Bible says, who who he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And it says he redeemed some of them from the east, some of them from the west, some of them from the north, some of them from the south. And then it starts talking about these four groups of people. One just wandered around aimlessly. And this group is characterized by an apparent inability just to find a place to settle down. Now, I'm certainly not looking at anybody, certainly not pointing at anybody, because maybe each one of us have been in that position at some times in our life thinking, what are we going to do? It's just so hard. We go here, we go there. We're not getting fed, blah, blah, blah. We want, to, we want help, and we're not finding it. Just wandering around. And this says the Psalm 107, you'll have to read it yourself. We can't go into all this. But it says they were hungry and thirsty. Now, I find out, I believe, that a lot of us bring over things from our past life. This hunger and thirst wasn't the most spiritual thing I don't think that it's talking about. It's just talking about this general hunger and thirst that everybody out there has. Uh, when a person gets saved, when a person comes to Jesus, it doesn't mean everything is made right. That's why we have that long, interesting Baptist word. What is it? Sanctification. That's right. Uh, you must have been in the Baptist church at some time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's why we have sanctification. That's why the Bible talks about being sanctified. That's what happens after we're saved. That period of time, those years, what we go through to become more and more like Christ, more and more like Jesus. Um, and this group was hungry and thirsty. And the interesting thing is their response. And all four groups respond the same way. 
they cried out to the Lord. This is what the Bible says about each group. Then they cried out to the Lord. They had this, they were in a dry place. They were in a desolate place. Then they cried out to the Lord. And the Bible says in verse 7, he led them forth by the right way. You remember the Bible says there's a way that seems right unto a man. The end thereof is the way of death. Uh, there's a right way and there's a wrong way, and this is the right way. Okay, I'm about to. I'm not going to be able to get to all four of these, but I'm going to turn over to the fourth one because I think that's where we're headed. I think that's the direction we ought to be headed in. Uh, and it's, it, let me throw out one other verse of Scripture to you, an interesting verse of Scripture, Ecclesiastes 10.2. This is out of the NIV, Ecclesiastes 10.2, group four. That's good, fellas. Uh, Ecclesiastes 10.2 says, listen to this, the heart of the wise is inclined to the right. The heart of the, le the, heart of the fool is inclined to the left. Isn't that an interesting verse of Christian? Isn't that simple? Can't we understand that? The heart of the wise is inclined this way. The heart of the fool is inclined that way. It's just the way it is. Two different things, two opposite things. Uh, the fool has said in his heart, as we know, there is no God. That's because it's inclined this way. Heart of the wise is inclined this way. Heart of the fool is inclined that way. All right, let's get to group four. Spend uh, just a minute on that, and then we'll shift gears somewhat. This group four is characterized, it's the only group, and it's clearly characterized, in my opinion, by determination, by drive, by ambition, and by purpose toward the things of God and toward the people of God. And it's the only one that is brought to their spiritual reward. The others are not. Now, I'm not saying they aren't saved. I'm not saying they're not going to be in heaven. But we're talking about living this life. The fourth group, it says that they go down to the sea in ships. They do business in great waters. And these see the works of the Lord. Wouldn't you like to see the works of the Lord? This is the only one of the groups that it says, see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And the Bible says in this same passage, uh, in fact, in verse 30, that they are guided to their desired heaven. doesn't mention it about the other two groups, but it mentions it about this last group. They're guided to their desired heaven. Uh, and, and they're out on the sea in ships. Storm comes up. The Bible says they're at their wit's end. It talks about the waves going up to the heavens and down to the depths. I was in the Navy uh, way back when. My daddy was in the Navy before me. And my daddy told a story about being on the ship and looking straight out toward the bow, over the bow of the ship. Now, to you land lovers, that's the pointy end of the ship, okay? <laughs> look straight out over the bow of the ship and look, and doesn't change that. And at one minute, all you could see is water. In your whole field of vision, you couldn't see anything but water above, to the side, just water. And then in the next moment, all you could see was the sky because it was a storm. The ship was going up 
and down, up and down. Well, that's what these guys were going through. Uh, they were going up to the heavens, down to the depths. But what was their response just like the other three? Then they cried out to the Lord. And the Bible says he brings them to their desired heaven. I noticed that this verb was different than it was for the other four. Uh, the first one, the one that I was telling you was wonders. It said he led them out. God goes gets them. He leads them out. He led them out. Then it says about the next group, it says he brought them. Then about the next group, it says he sent them. That group, it says he sent his word and it healed them. But this group, it says he brings them to their desired heaven. Now, if I remember correctly, uh, that verb is present progressive or present uh, continuing, I think we call it sometimes, present continuing. In other words, the action isn't stopped. He brings them to their, he does whatever, he keeps working and he brings them to their desired heaven. Uh, and then this group, we find at the end that we're told they should be exalting him also in the congregation of the people and praising him in the assembly of the elders. Well, I think hopefully we're going into a time and we're going this year it's going to be a situation where we're going to see more exaltation of the Lord in and through us. We're going to see more exaltation of the Lord here in our services. We're going to see more exaltation of the Lord outside of here. It's something that we're not just going to keep in here, but we're going to burst at the seams with regard to the goodness and the things of the Lord, with regard, to, with regard to what we're supposed to be doing this year that we're in now, this year that we're moving on further into, we're going to be excited, we're going to be expectant, we're determined to see the things of the Lord takes place, and I believe that's what's going to happen. In the congregation of the people, we're going to be exalting the Lord and praising Him in the assembly of the elders. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Thank you, Lord. You're so good to us.